I want to talk to you this morning about, um, you can open your Bibles. I hope you've got your Bibles here this morning. If you don't, um, that's okay. Next time. I was reminded this morning by Andrew in his, uh, in his post on Facebook that we're in, the, in a time of grace, right? Um, so next time you'll have another opportunity to bring your Bible. Um, I think we've been, we've been challenged as well as preachers in Josh Jen to, to really come to the Word, come back to the Word of God. Um, not that we've moved away from the Word of God, but sometimes we don't preach from the Word of God, we preach from our experiences. And uh, I've, I've, I've been guilty of that, um, where we preach from our experiences and we shouldn't, we should actually preach from the Word of God. So I want us to be in the Word of God. And this morning, we wanna, I, wanna, I want you to move to 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9 to 10. We have been busy with Gideon, but I'm going to step away from Gideon um, for a moment. It's actually Gideon that led me, I think, to this, in a sense. Uh, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9 to 10. And before, before I read the verse, I just want to set it up a bit because I want us to move to a place of wholehearted devotion. A toewijding aan God wat God verlang, as ek het so kan stel. And I think sometimes we don't understand those concepts, but um, I, I want us to, at the end of today, come to a place where we, where we say and ask the question, am I wholeheartedly devoted to God and His purposes? And I do believe that we do have certain purposes, we understand that we do have. Um, but I do also believe that we can miss certain purposes in our lives as Christians. So let's go to the scripture and then we'll move from there. Okay, 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9 to 10. And about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we actually, uh, we were reading this together. Toinette received this verse from the Lord. And it stuck with me ever since um, that day when we, did, we dealt with it as, as a leadership. Because we do believe that God has brought us here as a church for a specific reason. So let's read verses 9 to 10 together, 1 Chronicles 28. It says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. So this is David speaking to his son Solomon. And I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. But I mean, if you, if you talk about legacy, you want to actually, you as a, as a father would like to leave some sort of legacy to your son, right? And David is at the end of his ministry, he's at the end of his kingship, and God told him, look, listen, you won't be able to build the temple for me because of certain things that you've done. And I think it must be a very sad place to be when you set out your mind to please God in certain areas, and then you hear that you will not be able to accomplish that. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And then you need to now... Hand that over to somebody else. And you've got this desire that they will accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. So David gives a charge to Solomon. I give Solomon a mandat. Is it a mooi Afrikaanse woord? 
Zelfs die Engelse, Wilhelm is like, halleluja, hy praat Afrikaans. Salomo krijgt mandaat van God af. Wat dier sy pa David kom. And I, I want to tell you something. Solomon ran with that because he had, a, he had a purpose. He wanted to build the temple of the Lord. And he actually accomplished that goal. But what if I tell you that that wasn't actually the purpose? Wasn't that Solomon should just build the temple? There was a portion of this that David prayed over him. And if you, if you know the backdrop, you would know that David was speaking to Israel at a public assembly. So it was like a lot of people came together. All the leaders of Israel came together. And he was speaking to Israel because he was ending off his his reign as king, and he was handing over to Solomon. And then he spoke to Solomon in front of everybody. So you understand that this is hectic. It's heavy. It's, it's, it's like when you come into a church and somebody's laying hands upon you and say, God has called you to do this. It's massive for Solomon. But yet when we read further in the life of Solomon, do you know that he missed his true purpose? In actual fact, we're going to go read it in, 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 in 1 Kings 11, verse 4 to 6. 1 Kings 11, verse 4 to 6 says the following. It says, when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not to the Lord his God as his father. He was, yeah, he was not to the Lord his God as his father David had been. He did not carry the same heart as David. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidians, and Milcom, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight. When, when did this happen? When he was old. And unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. He did not remain loyal to the Lord. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is a sad story. And why I said that Gideon also took me down this road was because Gideon did all of these wonderful things for God. He got out of the wine press. He broke down the idols in his father's house. He went to war with God, saw the glory of God. And yet he built an idol or epoch, which was a religious thing that the priest would war wear on their shoulders and over their bodies. But that became a snare to him because he moved away from God at the end of his life. Now, here's an interesting thing. The word of the Lord said that we should praise God this morning for the things that he still wants to do in our lives. But it's an interesting statistic within the Bible and within the children, the saints' lives is that when we do not please God or when we fail God, the bulk of people who fail God fail them at the, in the last chapter of their lives. They become, they start off as wholeheartedly devoted, but then somehow they lose it along the way. And I want to propose to you that you find a few of them in Bible. You find, you find some that ran into the presence of God wholeheartedly from beginning to the end, and that would be like guys like Abraham and, and Joshua. That's why we are called Joshua Generation, because we want to be a people that run into the presence of God. When he returns, we should be there running into his presence, wholeheartedly following him. Daniel was one of those oaks. Paul and Peter in the New Testament, 
they followed and worshipped God until their last breath. But then there were guys that were limping and walking into the presence of God, guys like Gideon and Eli and, and Solomon and Asa, kings that struggled. And then you, were, you got guys that were actually disqualified. They started off well for God, but then they pleased God. They had no heart for God, no forgiveness in their heart. And eventually they were disqualified by God. And that, those are guys like Absalom and Saul and Ahab. So today I want to actually ask you the question is, is like, do you understand your purpose for God? Because you can do a lot of accomplishments. You can, you can, you can do a lot of stuff for God. And you think that would be pleasing to God. But at the end of the day, you can lose your purpose. And this verse, this text verse that we have, 1 Chronicles 28, actually tells us about our purpose, the motivation for our purpose, and it actually tells us the promises when we actually follow God wholeheartedly, what happens to us. And I want to unpack that this morning, if you are willing to go with me on that journey. But I don't want us as a church, because here's the thing, let me just maybe paint, paint this picture. We look, we're sitting at this beautiful spot, right? Do you have a yellow view? Is it morning? And we're looking around and we're seeing, I mean, we've got some people looking in from the outside that came to serve us. And you're hearing about the church under the tree, which is idyllic. Everybody just wants to worship and we've got the best view. But there's a spiritual story. There's a spiritual testimony about this church where God has taken us out of something that was unhealthy to place us into something healthy. But in that journey, we can get to a place where we've got a pride in our hearts because what we have accomplished for the Lord, that we actually miss our true purpose. And this is the heart of this message this morning, that we should not miss our purpose that God has got for us. So out of that verse, what is the purpose that that David laid out to Solomon. What is the doel? Want die doel was nie noodwendig om die tempel te bou nie. Dit was die taak. The goal and the purpose wasn't necessary to build the temple. That was an accomplishment. That was one thing that he needed to do. In actual fact, that temple was broken down because God was not pleased with Israel. So the things that we build for God can be broken down by God because he's not pleased by it. Because he's after one thing and one thing alone. And let's go and read it again. Let me just say the first purpose that David writes out or speaks out over Solomon is, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father. Now that word acknowledge, it's actually unfortunate that the NIV translates it as acknowledge. Some of the Afrikaans translation will translate it as erken die God. Daar is a verskil tussen erken en ken. There's a difference between acknowledge and know God. That word is know. It's not acknowledge. The ESV, I think, says know God. Know God. That's the first purpose. And our purpose is to know God. To know God. David tells to Solomon, know God. Nothing is more important in life than to truly know God. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 to 24. Let's go and read that for a moment. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Afrikaans, Jeremiah. 9, verse 23 to 24. I can't read it in 206 verses, so you must be able to read it. 
Ons is hier tot vier uur. Grappie. Ons is hier tot drie uur. Jeremiah 9 vers 23-24 Nothing more important than to know God. And I want you to settle this in your heart. This is your purpose. This is your purpose. You can come to church on a Sunday morning without knowing God. You can go on an outreach on the 17th of December without knowing God. You can be sitting here today thinking, oh, but that was great, it was wonderful, look how we love one another, but, but you could miss your purpose by knowing God. Listen to Jeremiah, he says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or, their, or the strong boast of their strength. That tells me that there will be wise people amongst us, but they shouldn't boast in it. There's nothing wrong to be wise, but you should not boast in it. It tells me that you will have Richards in front of you that are strong, even when he's 60, what are you now? 65, strong like an ox. He beats us in gym every week. And now I'm boasting about it, but he shouldn't boast about it. But it's nothing wrong to be strong, right? Or the rich, to boast in the riches. We've got the rich amongst us. There's nothing wrong with being rich, but there's a problem in boasting about it. It says, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, I, that I am the Lord. And this is the word that came through this morning. Come on, let's hear what the Lord is saying to us this morning. It said, he said to us that we are praising God because we know what he has done for us and what he's doing. But the God that we know has got a purpose for us. And the purpose is that we should continue to know him. We live in a society that go into marriage and then they break marriage. They divorce and they go out and then we've known that person. We don't want to know them anymore. But when we're in covenant with the Lord, we got to know him. We need to boast in the fact that I know him. There's nothing more important in life. God is actually very displeased if we do not know him, it's one of the things that he does not like. The prophet Isaiah puts it this, the following way in Isaiah 4. He says, verse 1, Isaiah 4, verse 1, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of, Israel, for the, children of Israel, for the Lord God has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. He's got a problem. He's got a conflict with the inhabitants of the land. It says, there is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. We don't know God. No knowledge of God in the land. And he's got a problem with that. He's displeased. In verse 6 of Isaiah 4, he says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Verses. Yeah, what did I say? Oh, sorry. Hosea. Hosea. Yeah, it's, um, um, it's, it's right here. It's, it's wrong here. Sorry. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. What knowledge is he talking about? Geschiedenis? School? Wetenskap? 
I mean, come on. I'm, I'm hearing these, message, uh, these, these, these messages that we preach while we braai. Je weet, die land gaan ten gronde, want daar niemand leer meer niks nie. That's not the context of that scripture. The context is the knowledge of God. To know God intimately. That word know is the word yada, which is to intimately know God. To know him like Abraham knew him, like Moses knew him, like David knew him, like Jesus knew him, like Paul knew him. You see, when you know somebody truly and intimately, you are willing to stand for that person. The problem with church today, saying this lightly, but but it is true, is that we don't stand for the truth because we don't know the truth. And God is displeased. Andrew this morning posted a message on Facebook saying that he wonders how many things that we have built in the church God will be pleased with when he returns. Just because we're staying in a time of grace does not mean that God is pleased with the things that we are building. We will be judged according to his word and his truth. And are we maybe going down south because of our lack of knowledge of the one who died for us? It was the same in the New Testament and it's the same today. Romans 1 verse 21 tells us, Romans 1 verse 21 to 23. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like an immortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Have you ever got into a quabble with your wife and you do something stupid and then the following words comes out of her mouth? It's like you don't even know me. What, does, what, do, what do those words mean? You've actually hurt me. Because if you knew me, you wouldn't have done that. And somehow I've got this picture this morning that sometimes I think God is looking at his church and it's like, it's like you don't even know me. Our purpose is to know him. Our purpose, the second thing, is to serve God wholeheartedly, with a loyal heart, with a whole heart. That's that word. To serve God wholeheartedly is the word in Greek that is shalom or shalem, however you want to pronounce it. It actually means Complete heart, perfect heart. I think the King James says, you will serve God with a perfect heart. Well, I mean, that's another thing. Uh, we believe we cannot be perfect before the Lord. Right? Can we? Should we be perfect before the Lord? Well, our hearts towards him should be perfect. We are called to serve him. That's our purpose, to serve him with a Complete 
heart, a perfect heart. The Greek word that they used in the Septuagint is like uh, teleos, which is a finished work, a complete work. Perfect. And we are called to that. Matthew 5 verse 48, God says that. Jesus himself says that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is you. You know how many people are here saying, well, this is who I am. I'm not going to change. Banking on God's grace for a sinful life. Where Jesus said, be perfect as I am perfect. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says the following. It says, to 13, it said, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people. We know this verse, right? Come on. Josh Jen, we know this verse, for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, there we have it, our purpose is why are we being built up, so that we can have the purpose of knowing God and become perfect, mature, telios, God can finish the work. Can you hear God is speaking to us this morning, even from this morning in the worship, that we need to praise him for the things that he still needs to accomplish in our hearts and in our minds? That means we're living a life. We are called to serve God wholeheartedly with complete surrender, completely following. That, other, that word, Tilios, also pops up in Matthew 19 when Jesus speaks to the rich young man that's got this desire to please God. And I can ask that question here. Do you want to please God? And I think everybody would say, yes, I want to please God. <laughs> I definitely want to please God. This guy wanted to please God. But after he went through every section of the questionnaire that God had for him and the test that God had and said, what should I do? I've done all of these things. I've done everything to please God. And then Jesus' words were to him in Matthew 19 verse 21. He says, if you want to be teleos, perfect, mature, complete, go sell your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Oh, I'm like, Lord, come on, man, that's unfair. I think that's what he said. I'm paraphrasing. I think... I think, I think my works will be good enough. Yes, they might be. But our purpose is to know him and to run into the kingdom of heaven one day, full speed ahead, perfect, running after him. Why? Why do we do this? Our motivation is because God searches the heart. He knows every single one sitting here today. He knows your thoughts. He knows exactly what you thought while you were praising and worshiping this morning. And that's a daunting thought for me. It's like. That's what David said to Solomon. He says, for the Lord searches all hearts. And Solomon himself later confessed that in his own life. He actually said, man, you know what? You alone know all hearts of all the sons of men in 1 Kings 8. You can go and read that. Solomon professed that. He knew that God knew all hearts, and yet he missed his purpose. 
And I want to tell you today, this morning, we are serving a God that's a searcher of hearts. He's not looking at your outside armor. He's looking at your heart this morning. I love this verse in John 2, verse 23, verse 25. Just go there for a quick moment. John 2, verse 23 to 25. John 2, verse 23 to 25 says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. What did they do? They believed. In his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them. <sighs> For he knew all people. And he did not need any testimony about mankind. For he knew what was in each person. He did not entrust himself to them. I'm like saying, like, Lord, I'm reading that this, this, this week, and I'm like, have I failed in the purpose of knowing you to such an extent that you are not willing to entrust yourself to me? We, we're talking about a massive intimate relationship here. We're not talking about just jumping through hoops religiously. We're not, we're not talking about, we're talking about knowing the God that crucified went to the cross of Calvary to die for my sins he performed miracles he did it because of the love that God placed in his heart for all people but he could not entrust himself to every person because he knew their hearts he's the searcher of hearts I want to tell you this morning if you want this church to be a beacon of light in this town and in the surrounding area. We need to be a church where God says, I want to entrust my heart to them because they know me. They know me. He continues to search the minds of all hearts and all people in Revelations 2 verse 23, scripture that, that Richard was struggling and Fighting through the church of Thyatira. Jesus writes this, these words. He says, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. This is a church that was doing great works for God. They were faithful. But they allowed the spirit of Jezebel to come into their church. Drew people away in sinful lives. Sexual sin. And God gave her time to repent, but she never did. And now he warns that he's searching the hearts of people. Searching the hearts of people. And God understands the intents of our thoughts, our ideas, what we're thinking, why we're doing what we're doing. So therefore, I want to be at a place where I say, Lord, I want to search for you wholeheartedly, completely, perfectly, because there's a promise 
And this promise is beautiful. Promise says that if we seek him, and I, I want to just connect, if you haven't heard Gary's sermon on humbly and trembly before the Lord, go and find it on Josh Jen's website and listen to it. Because if we truly seek him, if we truly seek him, he will be found by us. He will entrust himself to me. If we truly seek him, he knows why I'm coming to him. He knows if I'm using him as an ATM machine. He knows. You think you can hide it from the leadership, that's fine. Hide it. But he knows. You think you can hide it from your wife. By doing what she wants you to do. He knows if you not truly know him. He knows. And that's my point today. He searches your hearts and he searches your minds. He knows everything, the intent. But if you truly seek him, if you truly want to know him, guess what? He will be found by you. Oh, he will, he will be, you will find him. 2 Chronicles 15 verse 2. This is a story of Asa, the king. He didn't end that well. He started off brilliantly. The reforms of Asa, you can go and read it in 2 Chronicles 15, verse 2. He was so on fire for God when he brought the reforms of God back into Judah. He actually, he actually dethroned his mother. That's a lot of guts. That's a lot of, that's a lot of guts. He was following God at a point. And this is at the beginning, I think. He, he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, and when you are with him, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And this played out in Asa's life. This played out in Solomon's life. Asa eventually, what he did was, when he was warned, he didn't take accountability and he was warned that he was moving away from God. He actually put, put the prophet in jail. He got sick. And yet after his illness, he did not seek God. He forsake God. He became stubborn. Bitterness, unforgiveness came into his heart. But God wants you today to seek him. And we know this verse, James 4 verse 7 to 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why we want to seek him? For the Lord is seeking those whose hearts are loyal to him, perfect to him, towards him. 2 Chronicles 16 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth and strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It, 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 these words were the ones that the prophet gave to Asa. He said, like, God is watching you, and he's searching your hearts. And if you're not for him, he's looking for those who are wholly devoted to him. With those words, that fully committed is, again, that word in Greek, shalem, which is perfect towards him. So what is the key? The key is, We've got to set our hearts and our minds toward God. 
I think sometimes we, we want stuff to fall from, from heaven supernaturally and say, so like, well, God's going to give me this power to actually go to know him better. You know, I don't feel it today, so therefore I'm not going to do it. But here's the reality, guys. You've got to set your heart and mind towards God. It starts in the thoughts of our minds. Romans 12 says, be renewed by the, your mind. So this morning, you might be sitting here and thinking, well, I don't know if I'm wholeheartedly after the Lord. How do I change that? Set your heart on God. Set your mind on God. That means when you wake up in the morning, force yourself to think about God. Force yourself to open up your Bible and start to read it. Throw out the junk out of your house and maybe put some money towards a good Bible, a good commentary. You can go and come and find out which, which ones are good and which ones aren't. A notebook and start reading the Word of the Lord. And guess what? As you read the Word, you will start knowing Him. You will start searching for Him. And you might be sitting here and say, where do you have time for that? Well, people, if you don't put your heart and your mind towards God, you, you will not find him. You've got to set your heart and mind towards him. 1 Chronicles 22 verse 19 says the following, Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into the house built for the name of the Lord. Now let me remind you that the church is God's temple. And our work is to prepare the way for the presence of the Lord. That means we are builders alongside Him. That means when we set our hearts and our minds towards God, things in our personal lives will change. Our purpose will change. Our priorities will change. And you need to get ready for change in your life. How you lead your family will change. Because a lot of us might have our focus on getting our children an education, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you can get them all the acknowledgments that they want from school. And if they do not know God, you've got a problem. You'll be fighting a battle for the rest of your life. Because your heart and your mind wasn't set towards God. You can think at the end of the day you will be shouting hallelujah because finally God has returned. But your deeds will be weighed according to his words. So you need to get ready. How you spend your time will change. If you then burst into the church and placed in a family, this family here will become like pretty important to you. The testimony that we have is like we become closer than related family. And this is my testimony that some of you here are closer to me than my own brother. Why? Because my purpose is to seek God. And when I start seeking God, I find other people along the way that are seeking him all the same. And we become brothers in the Lord. And I found that they've changed their lives. Set your heart and mind towards God. To seek Him is a conscious decision to follow Him. You see, what was that rich young man struggling with? 
he was struggling with a conscious decision. When Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, sell everything. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. It's a conscious decision. What would people think of me? I've worked my whole life to do this. And the promise then is, if we forsake him, on the one hand, we've got if we follow him, he will bless us. He will be found. We'll find him. And there's no greater treasure. But if we forsake him, he will actually cast us off, like he did with Solomon. The verse in Corinthians, can't remember the verse exactly, but I'm ending off that Andrew said shared this morning was in Corinthians, had said that it will you will be saved maybe, but 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 like through fire. Everything that you've built was built on the wrong foundation. Don't let it be you. So what do I do? Finish strong by giving your life to sanctification. Every day in my life, elke dag, is dat iets wat die Heere Maybe it's something I'm watching. Maybe it's something I'm spending time on. Every day. You know what? If I push off that voice of God in my life for long enough, I will become numb to that voice. But if I push towards sanctification, what is sanctification? Heilig maak. And what is heilig maak? To be perfect like Christ is. That is an ongoing process for the rest of my life. I need to finish strong in that. It will never end. You see, somehow I've got this picture of Solomon that said, Oh man, thank the Lord I finished the temple. Now I can relax. <laughs> Maybe that's your idea. I just want to do this for the church and then I can, you know, I can step away. You know, this Josh Jen church, they just need a building. If we can just get to that building, then, then we can relax. No, 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 no. That's not finishing strong. That's copping out on the purposes of God. You've got a family to lead. And when your children are out of the house, you still have a family to lead. You cannot not allow the conviction of sin in their lives to run, run rampant because you love them so much that you don't want to tell them the truth. Because you're scared that they're not going to visit you anymore. I'm telling you, rather be alone. Rather be alone and tell the truth. Because you won't be alone. You'll be found by God. What do we do? Finish strong by leading your family into intimacy with God daily. Guys, if you're putting other stuff above the things of God in your family, you're missing it. Slowly but surely, you'll be missing it. You know, my kids never missed a church gathering for any exam. Any church gathering. They're fine. They're serving the Lord. I'm accomplishing my purpose. What I'm saying is, is that preparation for exams do not precede presence of the Lord. It's important stuff. We're living as holy people, peculiar people. It's different than the world. Do not settle for past experiences with the Lord. 
What has God said to you today? Do you know him today? Do not settle for past accomplishments. Seek him today. Last verse, and then I'm ending off. Isaiah 55, verse 1 to 7. Come, anyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for with that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the people, a leader and a commander for the people. Behold, you shall call a nation to you that you, sorry, behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that you did not know and you shall run, and, and shall, you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he is glorified you. And then this part, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. My message to you this morning is that Christ has paid such a massive price for us. Our devotion should be wholehearted. We cannot enter in heaven because of our devotion. We can only enter into heaven because of what he has done. We can come and drink from this fountain. But our purpose, after we've met the Son of our God, by the Spirit of the Lord, is that we should run wholeheartedly after him. That we should be completely devoted unto him until we are perfected and we run into him one day when he returns. And my question to you this morning is like, guys, are we going to settle or are we going to run fully? Now, a few questions. You might not even know him today. There might be a thing in you where you say like, I don't think I know him. Then this morning is for you. I don't know him like I should know him. Then this morning is for you. There's a fountain that you can come drink from. And then you might be sitting and say like, you know what, I've been maybe... Missing some purposes in my life. I've put my focus on certain things that shouldn't have been doing. Then it's time to repent and run wholeheartedly after God.